0: Well, it's been a number of years now, about five or so, but I used to work in a department that dealt with retirement products, and by the time I left, our department had grown by to about 40, 50 people or so, but when I first started, and that was about 10 years prior, it was much smaller, and so I had this more intimate feel, and, and one of the things that we would do, and I'm not sure who started this, but we would, we would send birthday cards around, and so you would write a little note, or you know something encouraging. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of this because you had all this pressure to write uh, this great note, and sometimes if you didn't or it wasn't uh, satisfactory enough, that somebody got mad at you. But in our department was this older guy, and uh, if you were putting together a sitcom with office life, you would draw inspiration from this man. He was older, uh, he was stuck in his ways. He was nice, but very opinionated all day long. He would listen uh, to talk radio, political news, uh, and it, you could tell. I mean, you could get him going on tangents. I don't know if you ever had a teacher where you brought up a topic and off they went, and you know that kind of took care of the class for the day. This was for this guy, politics. He also, I, I thought this was great. He had glasses, but he also had a magnifying glass uh, to look through because he couldn't, couldn't see very well, which as I'm getting older, i It's not as funny anymore, but I remember seeing that in his office. So once in a while, I would just walk back there and talk to him about whatever, uh, and off he went, and it it was great. But this guy was not going to be bothered with the birthday cards. Uh, He didn't write an encouraging note on the card. In fact, he didn't even put Happy Birthday, he just put HB and then his name. And I can remember getting the card one time, and I didn't catch it at first, but then I, I caught what he was doing. And let me tell you, the respect that I had for this guy only grew after I saw that. It was great. H.B., no notes, nothing. So now with the staff, I've told him about this guy before. When we send out a, a text with the staff about a happy birthday to Bryce or whoever, I just put H.B. Jason, all right? It's great. <laughs> but on a more serious note, When our department was smaller and we we had that more intimate feel, we would also send sympathy cards. So maybe somebody was dealing with a a death in the family, maybe there was a a health issue with a spouse, and we would send those cards. And and you know it was good. It would help. You would try to put something as best you could, but but at times it was just hard of what to say. You know, just saying I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you didn't didn't seem sufficient. What I would notice sometimes uh, with some of the cards is somebody would put you know, an encouraging note and then Jeremiah 29 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Or maybe Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And don't hear me wrong. Those are great passages. Those provide comfort and hope, but they don't always provide the, the hope and the comfort in the midst of the struggle. And I think one of the things that we, we can kind of uh, struggle with ourselves when we're trying to be comforting and provide hope to others is we want to just jump to that answer. We just want to jump to that solution, what we feel for that person. So we want to give them a verse that's helpful. But yet what we do at times with others, with ourselves, is because we want to so quickly get to that solution, we don't take the time to grieve, that that our grief just is is quickly passed over. We're just supposed to to move past it. But what the Lord calls us to, and what we see in his, his word, is that we are to be open and honest when it comes to times of suffering, when it comes to times of grief. One of the things that we see about the Bible, it is so realistic about the struggles of life. What we find in God's word is is that just because you're a follower of Christ, this does not mean that you will not face difficult times in your life. So believer, unbeliever, it doesn't matter. We live in a fallen world, and in this fallen world, we will have times of difficulty. In God's word, it understands the times that we go through where we have doubts, where we have questions about God's commitment to us. Times where we ask, what is going on, Lord? Why are these things happening to me? Why are these things happening to those that I love and care about? And so the Bible is very realistic when it comes to life. And one of the things that we are given as believers in God's word is what is called a lament where we're not to do, move too quickly to that uh, answer, that, that solution, but we can bring our raw emotions to the Lord because we have times when our hearts are heavy, when we are burdened with the struggles of life. Now, you may be asking, what is a lament? That's not exactly a word we use all the time. And so a lament is a song or a poem. It expresses our deep emotions when life is disoriented, it's confusing, it's confusing. It captures what many call the dark night of the soul. And what we find in these laments is that the author is just pouring his heart out to the Lord. And these laments, they, they, they capture all sorts of, of different emotions. Really, the whole spectrum of emotions we find as we go through God's word. Confusion, anger, heartache, doubt. And what we see with these laments is really a framework. This is what we're going to go through this morning, but we see this framework where the author goes from from plea to praise, or we may say despair to hope. And so again, we find these laments throughout the Bible. One of the greatest places to to go when we are in those times of difficulty and struggle is the Psalms. Now we think of the Psalms as the Psalm book of Israel, and it was, and, and we think of the great praises that we find in there. But what's interesting is a third of the Psalms are laments. And so we find laments in that book. We find laments in the different prophets, such as in the book of Jeremiah. And we find it in the the book of Lamentations. Now, over the last three weeks, we've been in the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, he was called to be a prophet of the Lord, and for over 40 years he was faithful to that calling. And he had a hard message that that the the city of Jerusalem that the would be destroyed, the people would be brought into exile. So he did not have a a popular message, but as he predicted, this took place. And so the Babylonians, they had come in different ways. By, By the time of 586 BC, they had destroyed Jerusalem. Many people had either starved to death or been killed. And for those that remained, they were carried off into exile, and they would be in the nation of Babylon for at least 70 years. Now, many scholars, they believe that this book of Lamentations was authored by uh, Jeremiah, and I I believe that is true, especially when you get to the chapter we'll be looking at this morning, chapter 3. You can just feel him pouring out his heart to the Lord, and what he says uh, really kind of captures the struggle that he had been through for over 40 years. And this book is heavy, and it it captures the deep anguish of the city and the people, of Jeremiah himself. And this begins from the very first verse that we read in that book. It says, how lonely sits the city that was so full of people. And so as best we can, we need to capture what was going on. I mean, it may help, and I know this is hard, but to think of of the devastation of of 9-11, I could think of the documentaries that you watch, like with World War II, just this devastation. It's heartbreaking. The buildings destroyed. The people that, that had been hurt, that were starving, that had been killed. And this is what took place with the fall of Jerusalem. And what's interesting, if you kind of like this uh, type of thing, is uh, in chapters one, two, three, and four, this is, uh, there's five chapters in this book, but the f- one through four, there's actually an acrostic. And so the author is going through the Hebrews, that'd be our A to Z, and going through and listing out and, and writing these laments. And what we find in chapters 1, 2, and then 4 and 5 is that there are 22 verses, okay, 22 letters of the alphabet. But when we get to chapter 3, it's three times as long. It's 66 verses. And so sometimes we think in a book, it kind of builds up to the last chapter. But what we find in the book of Lamentations, which is very close to the book of Jeremiah, is that the high point of this book is found right in the middle in chapter 3. It's really the mountaintop, if you will, of of this book. And while the other four songs capture the anguish of the community, what we find in chapter 3 is an individual lament from Jeremiah. And you can just sense his despair and so I want us to read Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and we're going to read to verse 24, and I know that's, that's kind of quite a bit, but we're going to read through this because I want you to, to, to sense and capture his emotions as best we can, but we also see this framework of the lament, where Jeremiah, he, he moves from his complaint to confidence in the Lord. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead, He has walled me up so that I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became a laughingstock of all my people. They mocked me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Now what we find in our passage is really two sections, the complaint And the confidence. And I want us to first look at the complaint of Jeremiah, this complaint that we find in this lament. Now, when I say complaint, I don't mean that that Jeremiah is kind of rebellious and sinful in this struggle. When I talk of complaint, I mean that the author is pouring out what he is dealing with, he is being very open and honest with the Lord. And what we see in this passage is that Jeremiah has a number of complaints, but if we were just kind of to summarize them, there's kind of two big headings. In verses 1 to 9, Jeremiah feels that God is opposed to him. And then in verses 10 to 18, that God is attacking Jeremiah. So listen to how Jeremiah feels opposed by God. Jeremiah says, he, and he's speaking of the Lord, and he said that if you caught that over and over again. He, 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 just keeps repeating it. And he says, he has driven me away. He has turned against me. I dwell in darkness. And maybe worst of all, Jeremiah feels that the Lord does not even hear his prayers. But Jeremiah also feels attacked by God. And the language that he uses is so so vivid to capture these emotions. And he says, I've been attacked like one would be attacked by a wild animal. He speaks of arrows piercing his heart. And he says, I've been ridiculed by others. And Jeremiah says, I have had no peace. And so as we read that, we feel the despair that Jeremiah is dealing with. And this is kind of his individual, personal lament, what he is feeling from the Lord. But we need to remember all the destruction that he had seen. The city destroyed, the temple destroyed, things that the people of Israel never thought they would see because the Lord dwelt in the temple. There is no way this could happen, but yet it took place. But also, Jeremiah has been a prophet for over 40 years. He's been faithful to the Lord. People have ridiculed him. He's been put in prison. Uh, The king thought he was really doing treason against the nation because of the message that he had. And so he had been faithful to the Lord year after year after year for decades, but yet this is how he feels about God. Opposed. Attacked. We may not be exactly facing the same situation as Jeremiah, but can you relate to him? Are you in a dark season now, or can you remember a dark season in your past where you felt that the Lord was opposed to you, where you felt that God was attacking you? You just think through some of the different situations and circumstances. You kind of fill in the blank. Maybe your marriage has just been hard. You go to the Lord and you plead with him, Lord, Lord, turn it around. I want it to work. But things get worse. Financially, things maybe we're getting better, but then everything just seems to break. Everything's just a mess. And what you were kind of building up financially just goes the other way and you feel the weight of that pressure. Maybe for you it's it's kids or grandkids that the relationship is strained. It's hard. Maybe you've been crying out to the Lord, save my child, they need to know you, but it seems that he is not listening. I think of our teenagers who are beginning school where they may be ridiculed for their faith, how hard that may be for them. And that was what Jeremiah was feeling for for 40 years, ridiculed for the message that he had, even though he was trying to, to be obedient to what the Lord called him to do. And then maybe worst of all, Jeremiah, maybe you today, maybe in the past you felt that God has been absent from your life, that when you go to him in prayer, it just seems that he is not there. No matter how, how hard you try to pray well, how consistent you try to be, he is absent. And so it feels that he is actively against us. But as we look at the complaints raised by Jeremiah, does it surprise you how open and honest he is? I mean, he goes through this long list, and, and I think sometimes that we, we don't feel that we can be this open and honest with the Lord. That we just kind of need to, to kind of keep it inside or maybe share it with a few people. But what we find here, what we find throughout the book of Psalms, is that we are to be open and honest with the Lord. That we are to go to him, not someone else, though that may be helpful, but, but first go to the Lord and pour out, be open about our emotions our struggles, our confusions, our doubts, all the different emotions that we may be feeling. Don't hide it, bring it to him, lay it before him. And so Jeremiah, he brings all these struggles and these emotions to the Lord. And then in verses 18 and 20, he he really reaches his lowest point. And he says, my soul is downcast within me. He's saying, "I, I can't take it anymore, I give up. So he reaches rock bottom. But then in verse 21, Jeremiah, he says, but yet this I call to mind. He says, therefore, I now have hope. And so we see this transition with Jeremiah. He's been pouring out his heart. You may be pouring out your heart to the Lord for week after week. It may seem like year after year, you're pouring out your heart to the Lord. And Jeremiah, he may have been doing this I doubt he just kind of one day kind of wrote this all up and he was fine and moved on. No, he had seen the destruction of Jerusalem. I'm sure it took days, if not weeks and months to get to this point, but he finally reaches the point where he has this transition. He says, I call to mind what the Lord has done. I, I have hope. And so what Jeremiah is doing is he is moving from his complaint, his, his plea before the Lord to now he is putting his, his confidence, his hope in the Lord. We need to clarify that word hope because we use it in our culture more as kind of this uncertain thing. I I hope this happens. I really hope I get the promotion or or whatever it may be. But when the Bible uses the word hope, it means to have confidence, a strong confidence in God's future provision, confidence in the Lord. So first of all, we see that Jeremiah has confidence. He bases his confidence in the personal name of God. What's so fascinating really with this lament is he keeps saying he over and over again. And the reason that Jeremiah does this is because the Lord feels distant. The Lord doesn't feel personal to him. But when he gets to verse 21, he now changes and he, he calls uh, the Lord he, he, in all caps. And so when you see uh, the Lord in all caps, this is the personal name of God, Yahweh. How we see God reveal himself in the book of Exodus. And so most of our translations don't put Yahweh because it was done out of reverence and respect. But when you see the Lord in all caps, this is the intimate, personal name of God. And so what Jeremiah is doing is no longer is the Lord distant. He is personal. He is intimate. He can now feel the Lord's presence. And secondly, Jeremiah, he looks to the character of God. You know, sometimes theology and doctrine kind of gets a bad name, but in the midst of our despair, we need solid theology. And so he looks to the character of the Lord, and he says in verse 22 he speaks of the Lord's great love, his steadfast love. And this in Hebrew is the word hesed, which speaks of the covenantal love of God. And so Jeremiah is putting his trust, his confidence in the covenantal love of the Lord where he knows the Lord will not give up on him. He will not give up on the nation of Israel. And if Jeremiah could put his confidence in the covenantal love of God, how much more should we? Because we now live in the new covenant. And this new covenant was was inaugurated and it was sealed by the blood of Christ And so we take greater confidence that when life seems just so crazy and confusing that we look to the cross of Christ, that he sealed this new covenant with his blood. I hope that gives you confidence that in the midst of your struggle, look to Jesus, his perfect life, how he came for you to rescue you and how he died for you. But not only that, Jeremiah, he remembers and he takes hope in the compassion's of the Lord. And I love what verse 22 and 23 says, that the Lord's compassions never fail. They are new every morning. And that word compassions, it, it carries with it the idea of a mother being compassionate and nursing her child. And that's one of the most compassionate scenes where an infant is crying out. And the mother, she may be exhausted It may be the middle of the night, but she hears that cry, and she goes and nurses her child. She provides for her child. And this is the image that we are given of the Lord, that we are crying out to him, and he hears our cry, just like that of a mother, and he goes to us, and he provides for us. He is compassionate to us. But also in verse 22, I don't know if you caught this, but it doesn't say compassion singular. But compassions in the in the plural. So it's not just being compassionate once, but compassions that are new every day, that last forever. And this is something we need to remind ourselves of in the midst of that struggle. That sometimes we despair because we're looking weeks or maybe years out that we just want it to end. And as we think, is this ever going to end, as we kind of project into the future, we need to remind ourselves that in the midst of this struggle, the Lord's compassions are new every morning. So the anxiety, the confusion that that we may feel each and every day, the Lord puts on top of that his compassion and love for you. So just, in many ways, worry about the one day and he will get you through it. He will sustain you. And then lastly, in verse 24, Jeremiah says that the Lord is my portion. And this word portion carries with it the idea of inheritance. Now, with the people of Israel, the land was very important, you know, the promised land. Part of the reason uh, they were so hurt by the exile is because they were having to leave the land. We think of the 12 tribes and the allotment of the land. So again, the land was very important to them. So what Jeremiah is saying is, though the nation is being removed from the land, though Jeremiah personally did not have any more land because of the exile, because of the destruction of the nation, he says, the Lord is my portion. He says, the Lord is my inheritance. And so for us, no matter the the circumstances, no matter how hard things are, we are to go to the Lord and bring that to him, but we also take comfort that he is our portion. That when things are, are crazy and, and just nuts and it doesn't seem like it's going to end, we hold fast to him because he holds fast to us. And this is why we see in Psalm 73, verse 26, the author of, of this lament. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever and so jeremiah he pours out his heart he laments to god and we are to take comfort and hope and learn from him we are to look to the character of god that that we can know god in this personal and intimate way but we also take hope in the work of christ because he as isaiah says was a man of sorrows and so it's not just God's character that we look at as great as that is. We also look to what Christ has done for us. And he has felt that despair. He felt opposed and attacked by the Lord when he went to the cross for us. And so we look to God, his covenantal love for us, his, his faithfulness, his steadfast, hesed love. But we also relate to Christ because he relates to us because he has been there himself. So I would ask in this moment, if you would please close your eyes and and bow your head. We're going to do things a little bit different this morning. Here in a few minutes, Bryce is going to lead us in a song, and it's called Lord from Sorrows Deep, I Call. We're going to treat that song kind of like a a community lament, what we see in the book of Psalms, for example, where God's people would gather and sing that lament to the Lord. And so we're going to do that here in a few minutes. And it may be that you can sing that song and really mean it, but you may just need to kind of sit there, stand there, and just let it wash over you. But what I want us to do in our time now is just get alone with the Lord. Life gets so busy and hectic, we run from one thing to the other that we don't even take the time to even give ourselves the opportunity to lament. And so we're gonna take about three or four minutes I just encourage you to to bring your complaint to the Lord, your struggles, your emotions. And you may just have to stay there. This morning, you may not be able to move to that confidence and hope piece, and that's okay. But begin to bring your struggles to the Lord. And you may be here this morning and things are going well, and that is wonderful. And I would encourage you to take this to heart when things do get tough but also to remember God's character, to praise Him for it, to remember what Christ has done for you. So please take this time and get alone with the Lord.